Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the author series of podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and tonight we have with us um, author Sheila Hegeman. Hi, Sheila. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Deborah, for having me here. Hey, no problem. I'm always glad when someone wants to talk to me because I love to talk. Uh, (laughs) um, I love to hear other people talk about things that I enjoy, too, because that helps us all to... uh, to learn and, and have good discussions with each other. So, um, Sheila, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the folks a little bit about um, about your background um, and wh- how you got writing. Excellent, sure. Um, well, I am a mom. I'm 41 years old and I live in Connecticut. Um, when I was a little girl, I, I was a writer and, you know, I thought that's what I would grow up to be. And I got a little bit distracted when I was about 12 or 13 when my parents got divorced. Um, my dad moved out and in my basement I found his collection of porn magazines. Oh, nice. Yeah, so always nice to, to see when you're 12 years old. So that was my introduction to uh, what women look like in magazines. And from that point on, I started wanting to be a model and be an actress. And I, I felt myself really shift in what I was interested in. So by the time I was 18, I had become a stripper and a nude model and um, had really gotten off the track of what I wanted to do with my life. So it took many, many years. Um, I was a stripper for six years. And then I got a phone call from my mom and she told me that she had breast cancer. And at that point, I decided I really needed to reevaluate my life and what I was doing. And from that point, I quit stripping. I went back to school. I graduated as valedictorian from my college, uh, became a yoga teacher. And then I said, you know, I started getting back into the writing. And I said, you know what? I want to take this a little more seriously. So I went and got my MFA. Okay. And it was when I was uh, studying for, for my degree that I started writing about not just the experiences that I was going through at the moment because I was also a new mom at that time and my mom was very sick and I had been planning to write about my past as a stripper. You know, I I thought that was a story I was going to write and what I ended up doing instead was finding a way to write about everything that that was going on in the present and tying it all together with my past. the book that I wrote and ended up getting published became more of like a meditation on my life as a woman, as my, my life through the lens of my body. Okay. So, yeah, it was a meditation on just women and body image and how I came to live the life I led and also how I, I got out of it eventually too. Okay. That's really interesting because, you know, you're talking about body image and talking about being a stripper and then, you know, when you get pregnant, that all goes out the window. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was like, you know, watching how, you know, my body changed and then also, you know, being faced with my my mother's body where she was, you know, her body was giving out and it was just so many different confusing things going on in my head. So I really was able to use writing as a way to... To, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it really was what what saved me, I think, and kept me, gave me a safe place to rest, was mm-hmm. my thing. And it also gives other women a look into, you know, no matter where you started out in life, you can end up with the happy ending, even if you're going through something right now that isn't quite how you think you want your life to be, or you think it is, mm-hmm. but you know that other people criticize what you're doing and, you know, see you in a way that you don't want to be seen. You know, yeah, like, no. I mean, when, you, when you're when you not 
in your with your profession, you know, when you met a guy, what you know, what's your line? You know, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I strip. Oh, well, yep. then let's go home and show me how. And, you know, so you run into just all kinds of stereotypes and, and other issues that I'm sure were very difficult for a young person like you to deal with. Absolutely. And then it's pretty funny because then even now in the present, I deal with um, the other side of that is that now that I'm, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm successful, I'm living a really, you know, straight and narrow life and, and everything, but I still get people who then say to me, well, why are you talking about your past? Shouldn't you keep that secret? You know, I have three children. What are they going to think? You know, you're going to be harming your children by writing about your past. And then that's kind of where I say, whoa, no, I, I don't think so. You know, I'm not going to hide my past, which right. I, I couldn't even do that if I wanted to, if I tried. But I, I don't think that that's the way to raise my children, that I, I can't be honest with them. Well, and that's part of why you ended up doing what you did, because like you said, you went down in the basement after your dad left you know, if your parents divorced and, you know, in your 12 year old mind, he left because you and your mother didn't look like the models in the magazines. Exactly. And then you started to want to be the models in the magazines and you wanted to be what your dad, the type of thing that your dad paid attention to. Exactly. Although you didn't want your dad to see you strip. No, and he never did. I don't think so. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that goes, so while you're talking about your past and people are giving you, you know, trouble about it, it is more freeing for you. Um, like you said, when you were living it, you didn't know it was horrible. You just knew it wasn't quite right. Well, there there were definitely moments when I knew it was horrible. It was, you know, it was, it was that kind of mixed bag where it was like, uh, there were there were days when I, 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 I would be like bawling my eyes out before I would go to work and, and I had, but there was this feeling that I was almost it was like a trap I felt like I couldn't get out at that time you know what I mean it was like yeah it was your profession it was how you were making money exactly it was how you were supporting yourself yeah and you know there's a lot of people that have a lot of uh stereotypes about it but you know at the end of the day um there are jobs out there that are legal to do jobs that people don't like but they do them because they bring home a paycheck Yep, exactly. And, you know, there's so many different reasons. Yeah, you know, it was also, you know, I was an actress and I I really wanted to have the flexible schedule. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, I can work at night. So then I can go to auditions during the day. Mm -hmm. I can save a lot of cash. You know, there's all these different things that play into it. And there are a lot of women, I think, who go into stripping and they think that they'll just go into it for a little while, that they're not really going to be affected by it. And I think that's what happened to me. But then something happens where you kind of get dragged down into it, and it, it does get hard to, to set yourself free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, again, I think that's a that's, – that's, it says a lot about women are in our society. And, you know, you maybe didn't start out to write a profound book, but in some women's minds it is very profound to go back and look at what you did mm-hmm. and see why you did it and why you stopped doing it yeah and then how you got to be where you are now because what you are now is because of everything you've done in the past exactly and that's you know that's what I think is so important is that we don't um you know if we get to a point where we've moved beyond whatever you know skeleton we have in our closet that it doesn't mean that we have to bash that former self or that it's something that 
we have to hide that I think it's so healing to be able to look at that our past and and recognize that we a lot of times I mean we're doing the best that we can at any given point and maybe at that point in my life that was the best I could do with 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 everything that happened as a child with everything all the things around me that's where I was and it doesn't mean that you can't move forward from it and then that when you do move forward from it that you have to turn your back on that old self there's a way to integrate the exactly self. exactly that's that's perfect um, now um, to become a yoga instructor you have to get into yoga first so um, did you get into yoga uh, while you were back in the day of being a stripper or did you get into that afterwards as a way to kind of find yourself and center yourself um, the second one, I uh, was in when I started college. Um, I, so I didn't start college until I was 25. Mm-hmm. I was working full time. I got a job as a secretary, and I saw the listing in my, you know, the college catalog, and I was like, yoga. You know, I've always wanted to try that. It just, it really, there was something that just caught my eye, and like the, from the very first class I took, I was like, this was it. It just brought me back into a new way of connecting with my body because I, I think I turned my back on my body after mm-hmm. I was stripping. I tried to get as far away from it as I could. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to really reconnect and find a way that I could be in control and I could decide what I did with my own body. And it, so it was a very centering thing. And then from that point on, it just was a new a new love of mine but I think also at the same time I look back to like when I was a child I used to do yoga moves all the time my family used to be like oh no you're going to get stuck like that (laughs) I think there was something in me that it was always in me I just had never been like officially introduced to it before yeah that's 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 pretty cool and then when you get really good at it you want to share that with people and that's how you exactly uh, become a yoga teacher and then that way you have to stay in shape because you got to be better than the kids and your the people in your class exactly, <laughs> exactly. that is so true but you know it's funny because i do i really like to teach the the more like the extra gentle type classes right I, you know right now there's so i mean there's so many different takes on yoga and a lot of it is so you know, strenuous. Yeah, centered. And it's, you know, for me, yoga is really more about going inward. And I, I think that's why it works so well for writers, because it, it really is a way to center yourself and to get more in touch with what it is that you need to write about, what's, what's lurking inside of our bodies, the stories there. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I like that. Um, now I'm going to have to, you're, you're going to have to do an online yoga class so that I can be there. <laughs> you have to do a DVD. <laughs> Great idea. Your book isn't enough now. I, I've nope. got you doing a DVD. Exactly. So, and then now let's go back to the honesty thing where, you know, people are like, you don't want your children to know you did this. Well, what better way to connect with a daughter mm-hmm. than to tell her, I did this. You don't want to. <laughs> Very true. And it's, you know, I think the funny thing, because a lot of people ask me, well, what will you say if your daughter one day says, you know, hey, mom, I'm going to be a stripper. And I, you know, it's like, I obviously I don't have the answer for that yet, because I have no idea. You know, I, I hope that, you know, I first thing I know, I wouldn't say is, no, no, you absolutely can't do it. Don't do it. It will ruin your life. Right. I think I'm, I can come from a place where I'm like, look, this was my experience. I've seen what can happen. Um, you know, in the end, obviously, it will be her own decision if she's 18. Um, 
but I hope that I'll be able to respond in a, in a more open way than my own mother right. did to me. Right. Oh, yeah. I, and I don't, I don't know your situation, but I know that in a lot of cases it would be, hey, mom, this is what I'm going to do for a living. And she's like, out. Exactly. <laughs> Gone. I don't know you anymore. I know. Exactly. And um, and then with the whole breast cancer thing where you were talking about um, body awareness, um, can I ask, is she a, a breast cancer survivor or did you know? She, she was and um, she was cancer free for seven years. Um, after radiation and chemotherapy, and then it came back, and um, you know they gave her one year to live, but she ended up living for over two years from that point. But she had she did pass away when my daughter was one and a half. So so she got to see her grandchild. Yes, and that mattered so much to her. She really wanted to be a grandmother. So that but that was wonderful. Of course, I feel sad that she didn't get to realize that I had two more children. And my uh, my stepfather always told me that. She thought I would never have another child after my first one, so I feel sad that she didn't get to find out that she had two more. So, well, if you believe in the higher powers and whatever, she does know. Yes, hopefully she does. So, um, well, why don't we? Uh, if you had, you've got such a variety of experiences that um, I'm like thinking about which one do I want to ask you about first. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to have you on another podcast in the future. There you go. Just about yoga for writers. Exactly. Um, we could do that. I, I like that idea already. Um, so to go along with the theme of what this series of podcasts has been about, so um, talk a little bit about what you would tell an, an aspiring writer mm-hmm. that isn't sure, you know, should they be writing, if what they're writing is any good, what would you? What advice would you give to them? That is the, the greatest question, isn't it? Um, well... I, I've also taught a lot of writing, and a lot of the writing I teach, I mean, I've been lucky enough to teach creative writing, but I've also taught students who don't want to be in the class when I'm teaching <laughs> yeah, so the, the basic writing that all college students need to take. So I've, I think I have kind of, uh, what I like to tell students that don't want to be there is that, you know, any writing you do, all writing that you do, in some way is going to help you in your life, even if it's something that nobody ever sees or you never share with anybody it's anything you write everything you put out put out there from yourself is in some way going to help you to know yourself better in different ways um for writers who want to write i think it it, it opens up it's such a different world because i think if if you are a writer you know you're a writer and there's no way that you cannot write and i think what it's most important to keep in mind is that you just keep going on. I know right now my, you know, I have, I have set for myself the goal that I have to do every day and I make it very simple for myself. I have to either write for an hour and a half or reach 1000 words a day and that's it. You know, it's Monday through Friday. I have to do that. Um, I try to do it in the morning. If I can't, it's got to get done at night. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was doable. I, th- I think maybe some people that's too long a time. They say, well, I can't set that much time aside a day. But it's like it's a commitment when you really are trying to find and put a project together if you want to see it published, let's say. Then I really think you have to make that commitment to yourself that it's important enough to make it a task every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Um, one of the other authors that I, that I interviewed said that if you if you want to be a writer, you need to live the writer's life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that means that that's your job. 
You know, exactly. even if you have a full-time job, your part-time job is writing and you need to do it just like if it was a job, you need to do it every day. And if you're not writing, you're researching. You exactly. Know? If you're if you're working on a book that requires research, you know, do research on the days when you're roadblocked because then you will find more things to inspire you to write. Yeah, and, and that's what I, you know, that's why I like to give myself those two options. It's either an hour and a half, so if I'm not, the words aren't coming, as long as I'm sitting there doing something involved with the book that I'm working on, right. then I feel like I have fulfilled, you know, put in the time each day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if I get a thousand words done real quick, I can quit early for the day. So, you know, it's, it's you can give yourself those little breaks and those little gifts. I, I, I really like that because... You know, I mean, it doesn't sound like much, you know, you, everybody adds up so quick. Yes. You know, because you can say, oh, I skipped my hour and a half today. So tomorrow I have to do three hours. Oh, wait, now I couldn't do it there. So now I'm up to four and a half hours. Oh, now that's too much. I'm just going to go to the coffee shop and, you know, go meet with the girls and have lunch or something. And, and all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're out of your, um, you're out of your routine. But you, you know what's really important then at that at that point, though, I think is also that we have to realize that we have to give ourselves a little leeway to and a little forgiveness. You know, if you miss a day, you know, if I miss a day, I don't make myself try to make it up the next day because because then you can get into that nasty cycle where you say, oh, it's too much and then I'm just going to give up. Mm-hmm. If you miss a day, you miss a day. You just start over again. And, and that's a very yogic way of looking at things because... You just start from where you are. So if something happens, you know, your dog is sick and there's no way you can get to the computer that day, well, then what are you going to do? You know what I mean? And and also, don't forgive yourself. If you did three hours one day, don't say, oh, now I can skip tomorrow. (laughs) Exactly. No, absolutely. Because I've been tempted to do that. I'm like, hey, I've got (laughs) 2,000 words done today. Tomorrow I only have to do 500. No, 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 no. No. Still the same. Still the same expectations every day. And it is just a contract with yourself. So if you break it, modify it. Exactly. You know, if you find that you can't meet the goals that you set for yourself, sit down and, and be honest with yourself and think about what goals you can make. Exactly. You know, I mean, I've talked to authors that, you know, they, they, they get up, have breakfast with their family and say, see ya, go upstairs, shut the door to their office, and then they come back out at lunchtime and, and come back out at 5 o'clock at night. Exactly. And, you know, most of us can't do that. <laughs> no, that is true, especially, you know, like I, I know mothers have a hard time finding the time and the space. And I mean, there are obviously situations that are very, very difficult to find that little pocket of time. Um, you know, and to that, I would say and this is something I always help my my beginning writers look at is, you know, what can you give up? And sometimes there there is um, sometimes, you know, it does involve having to give something up that maybe you enjoy. Like for myself, I don't watch TV. You know, if I give myself, maybe I watch an hour of TV a week. And, you know, for some people, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, how, how do I not do those things that are fun? Yeah. I, I think it really depends on your commitment. You know, how important is it to you to write? How important is, is it for you to see yourself published? And, you know, each person has to, you know, answer that for themselves. Um, And then maybe you admit to say to yourself, well, you know what, I don't have the time and I don't want to commit to this now. It doesn't mean you're not going to be ready in a month. You know, you can visit it. Um, Maybe right now somebody just wants to journal when they have the time. And that's fine, too. You know, it's I go through periods where I don't do 
the 1,000 words a day. I go through periods where I don't write for a couple weeks, and that's okay. It's just, but I always know that I will come back to it. Mm -hmm. And if you're a writer, I think you know that. That mm -hmm. yeah, maybe right now I'm not not involved in a project and I don't feel like it. I'm gonna take some time off, but you know, you know, you'll come back to it. Yeah. And especially if you're getting enjoyment out of it. And if you're not getting enjoyment out of it, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Exactly. Yes. Very true. Very true. I, I, I always think about, you know, that idea that um, some people, they have the idea of being a writer and it's, they see themselves only with the finished product that, you yep. know, they want that feeling and that sensation. And that sensation is really good. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's a great, awesome feeling. But I also love that feeling of diving back into what I'm working in every day and that sense of walking out into the unknown and just trusting that, that the story or that the, the memories are, are just going to come, that they are going. It's not always going to be easy. And I think that leads kind of into the writing process. And that's what I think sometimes people maybe don't take into account. And if, if you know that writing is a process, then you can accept that there are going to be blocks, but that you're going to be able to work through them. And I think that helps, knowing about the process. Well, and for you, the process, like you said, was um, healing and was able to, you were able to express what you did in the past. And uh, there's a lot of writers, myself included, that there's times in your past you don't want to revisit. And yet, those are the stories that people actually need to hear. That's so true. And it's sometimes the stories that we're avoiding most is what we really need to visit the most. And, you know, one of my teachers when I was in graduate school, it was so wonderful because she, she would push us to, to go to what we knew we needed to write. But then she would, you know, also give us that sense of freedom of knowing that if it is too hard, if you're not ready, you can always back off and work on something else. Right. Because even though you do want to push yourself into those moments, you also have to be prepared, especially if you're working like on memoir and you're, you're dredging up some, some difficult memories, it's really important, I think, to also have a support team in place because I know for myself, you know, I, as a writer, you know, I tend to move into depression sometimes. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had to know that I, I had people there to talk to. Um, you know, writing is, is not necessarily therapy, but it, it can be therapeutic, but it might not be enough. Sometimes if you're bringing up really hard stuff, it's important to also have kind of some kind of safety valve where you have people who can support you when you're doing the really difficult work. And I think that's really important that you just said that out loud because, <laughs> no, because there are people that are like, well, I'm just going to gloss over this or they're going to be like, oh, I hate writing now because I went to that place that I didn't want to go to and now I feel really horrible and now I'm depressed and I'm depressed because I'm depressed because I shouldn't yeah. be depressed because I should be feeling better because I wrote about it, right. but I feel worse. No, and, and it's so true. You know, it's it, you revisit and revisit those those really... Uh, those really meaty memories, those memories that, you know, it, everything is so layered. And I think that's what was so interesting to to give myself those two years to really just focus on writing memoir and just focus on the process of it, that you realize that just because you've uncovered one big memory and, and written about it, it doesn't mean you're done revisiting it. You know, it's I keep going back and back and back and looking at some of the same memories and it's amazing the different stuff that comes out depending on what's going on in your present moment. You know, mm -hmm. you have to consider 
who you are when you're writing something. From day to day, who you are is so different, so how you see your past is going to be so different. Mm -hmm. So if something is too hard on one day, it doesn't mean a week from now that you you might be able to face it better. Right. That that's really that's really good advice. All right. So now we've talked a lot about the creative process and um, a lot about the really hard stuff. Um, let's move a little bit into. All right. You finished the book. Yes. Now what? How are you going to get it? How are you before we touch on marketing? How are you going to get it published? Okay. Did you traditionally or did you indie? Um, it's I did it traditional, but it's a small press. It's called Pinkfish Press. They're in Washington. Um, in Seattle. It's a cute name. Isn't it? I know. I love it. So, you know, for me, the publishing process was like years, years long. I When I graduated, you know, I thought, oh, I already have, you know, I have a really strong manuscript. I thought it was going to be really easy to get an agent. You know, I, I thought I had such a a strong story, you know, I had, there was sex in it, you know, I just thought, oh, how could people resist this? Mm-hmm. And um, I came so close so many times with agents and, and bigger publishers and, you know, people reading the full manuscript being like, oh, it's just wonderful. And then they'd be like, oh, and I just want you to change the entire structure of it. Something <laughs> would happen. And I was like, oh. No, you know, I was really willing to, to change things, but I think we all have sometimes like, you know, one thing that we cling to and, and yes. to me, the structure was so important to my story. Mm-hmm. So I just kept plugging on. And when I say that I sent over a hundred proposals, I mean, I can, I, I stopped counting how many rejections I got. Mm-hmm. But I just kept, I had such faith in it that I just kept doing it. And I found, you know, I was searching small publishers and I found Pinkfish Press and I just felt right away, this is going to be it. I really felt it. And when the publisher read it, she, she loved it immediately. She got the story. And I think right away it was that sense of she gets it and she, we got each other. And it was just, it just, when it happens, it's just like this miracle. It's like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> it just yeah. like, finally happened. So, I mean, the, the faith and the just keeping going on is, is so important when you're, when you're going into publishing. It's just, you just have to have faith in it. And, but I also took, you know, the, the, the responses I got, I, you know, I would take that into consideration. I would never say flat out, no, I'm not going to make those changes. But I did know what I wouldn't bend on. And, right. And it took a while to find the publisher who had the same vision that I did. And that's that's really important because as a writer, um, <laughs> a lot of writers that I've talked to in the last few weeks have been uh, freely admitting that they're type A personalities. <laughs> and in a loving way, they're all control freaks. Yeah. And um, even those that went with a traditional publisher only went with a traditional publisher, and it's usually a smaller press like what you did exactly. instead of with a big house because they found someone that believed in the book the way they wrote it. Exactly. You know, I mean, yes, you need to get it edited. Yes, it needs to be polished. Yes, you need help with your book cover. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't have to rewrite the whole thing just because you gave me an advance. And, you know, you decided that the only part of the book you really like is this. And that's pretty much fluff. Or, you know, it relates, but it only relates if you read this other part of the book first and you want me to get rid of all of that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's- stick to your guns. Exactly. Stick to your guns and 
trust yourself, but at the same time, you know, look at your options because right now there are so many options for, for publishing your own things. And, and that is actually, so the memoir is what we're talking about now, but I also actually did self-publish a guidebook last year. What I did was I created my own, um, they say I created my own small press okay. to publish um, a shorter book that I wrote. And I totally recommend that for people, especially if they have something that is very, a very small niche, something that is, is not going to appeal to a large audience. There are so many opportunities right now that you can do it on your own. So there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, as long as you know that you need to put a couple pieces in place. One of the recurring themes for the self-published small press or the big press is the editor. You know, yes. that you can't be your own editor Absolutely not. Yeah, I definitely. think I've only talked to one author who said that he does the the editing where, and because he was in a certain industry, he was able to actually probably do this successfully. You mm -hmm. know, put the manuscript in a drawer for a month, and then yeah. pull it back out and read it like a reader or an editor, rather than reading it like the guy who just finished writing it. Right. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, that's a skill that every writer needs to be able to do, but. When you get another set of eyes, another way of having somebody just from the outside look in, it's just so amazing because you just get the insights. And it, I mean, it does, you have to open yourself to that and really allow yourself to hear what somebody else says. And I think that if you find a, you know, an editor that you trust, you're going to form a relationship where you can hear them. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's so important, and I've just been so lucky to work with some really, really wonderful editors. You know, I've never had somebody say, um, oh, you can't, you know, that line has to be cut, or this book isn't going to be published. You know, it's, <laughs> editors aren't like that. They're really there to to, to stay true to your voice, and, right. and I've been really lucky with that. Well, and especially when you're working on a memoir, you need someone who's not involved with the story. Mm -hmm. to actually read it because no matter how many times you read it or put it away or length of time since you've read it last you're putting yourself it, it's your book it's your story yeah and yeah. you can't distance yourself from it all at all a very good point and it's it's and that's I mean I think with memoir too it can be a little more difficult to hear the critiques just because yes. you know and this is something that as a writer, hopefully we all get an opportunity to learn is that when you're receiving the critiques, obviously it's not about you or your story, it's, it's, just, it's about the writing. And, I, and that's so important when, when teaching memoir that I always, right from the beginning, you always want students to realize that we are not critiquing the life, we are just, we are critiquing the writing. I like that too, that's a good point to bring up. All right, so now we've published, how are we gonna market our book? Well, this has been, oh my goodness, this has taken up much more time, I think, than the actual writing of the book. Um, the the marketing, oh my gosh, is like, once you've got the book done, this is the biggest piece of the puzzle because you can write the most amazing book, but the truth of the matter is, even if you have a big publisher, some big house, yep. they put no money into your book. And it's it's not that they don't like you, it's just that there is no money right now. Right. And these publishers have money. So you have to be prepared. And, and this is what a lot of publishers are looking for. Also, when you send in your proposal, you have to be prepared to tell them, look, this is how I'm going to market my book. They really, really look for what your, you know, the, the little... Uh, 
the key word there is the platform that you've created for yourself. Yep. So what I did, and, and I think, I, you know, I started back even before I started graduate school, I started blogging. I started just getting into the practice of getting myself out there into the world. And then what I was able to do with the book, all my blogging ties in, so all the themes tie in together. And I have just, I have, again, like I have my quota of words I need to do each day. I also have a certain amount of contacts I need to make each day. Okay. So I write query letters to just about anybody and everybody that will listen to me. And I, I've been, I mean, I've been very, very lucky because I've, you know, I, I got on the Anderson Cooper show by doing that. Wow, cool. Yeah, like, oh, people are like, how did you do that without a, without a publicist? Um, couple TV interviews, I've been doing radio interviews, and really all it is is, again, it's it's the same thing like with the writing, it's the commitment, it's the, the belief that you are going to find those people who are going to latch onto your story. Yep, they're going and to connect with your story and, and want to spread the word about it. Exactly, and I think that the key is also finding finding the right the right marketplace, you know, finding... For me and my story, you know, I looked to women's magazines. I looked to women who blog. I looked to women who talk about body issues. Um, and, you know, it, it's creating that package, creating some kind of a, a, a news tie-in, something that is going to catch this editor, catch whoever you're plugging, you know, get them to not be able to turn down your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, and it is, it's a lot of work, but it's kind of a lot of fun, too, I'm finding out. And I, I'm actually a very shy person, and I, I think people are like, what are you talking about? You were a stripper, you know? But <laughs> but you were hiding behind a personality when you were a stripper. Exactly. And I, and I think it's for, for almost every writer, the whole self-promotion thing is just very awkward and very... Uh, brings up a lot of anxiety it's like first of all you have to then be saying hey look what I write is worth something do you know what I mean if, right. if you're putting yourself out there you have to have a certain amount of faith in yourself and in your work so I think that that is one of the most important things to really focus on is just building whatever the the message is that what your your book is about and finding a way and it, I mean, it, it can be kind of like, well, am I selling out if I'm just, you know, putting my story into a message? But it's not really about that. It's just about finding that little nugget of information, that little way that you can say, this is my book, this is what it's about, and, and just being excited about that and sharing yeah. it with people. Here's my hook. Here's my point of difference. Exactly. You know, here's, this is my story, and I'm, you know, different from everybody else that you've interviewed, and I do have a good story, and it does have a good ending, and, <laughs> you know, there's ups and downs along the way, but hey, look at me, you mm-hmm. know. I'm, yeah, you do. You have to say, look, this is this is why I'm different, and this is why you really need me on your TV show. Yeah. And if you can just find that, you're going to find people that are going to want to help you, and that's the thing, too, is that... There's so many people out there right now. There's so many opportunities, and everybody is looking to do all this silly networking. And you just have to put yourself out there and kind of like ride the wave and and just 
see where you can get connected. And also don't worry about like starting small, you know, I, I think it's great, you know, okay, oh, it's a local paper. So what? It's a paper. You're getting yeah. yourself out there. You're getting practice. You know, I wouldn't, I don't turn anything down practically. You know what I mean? I want to get my voice out there. And every interview I do, every anything, it's all helping me to, to get my message honed, to really help me build my platform. Yes. Basically. That's what it's all about. Well, in my day job, I'm an internet marketer. And oh, cool. I, you know, I, I was hearing things about building your platform, building your platform. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't build platforms. I build websites. <laughs> I help people market websites. I don't help them market platforms. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that what they're talking about, and for me to have to figure it out, it's got to be twice as hard for our listeners to figure out, mm -hmm. you know, what the heck? Do I have to go out and build a porch? What? What's this platform I have to build? Um, do I have to get up on my soapbox? And basically your platform is, and a few people have said that you start building your platform as soon as you have your idea for your book is that and you did it even before then because you're telling a personal story you yeah. build a website you build a blog you build a social media presence yeah. and that's your platform and what you really need to decide and this goes true for affiliate marketing or internet marketing as well mm -hmm. is that your website is where everything else sends people yeah so you have a website that has a blog on it and then all your social media, all your television, all your other contacts, you flow everybody towards your main website, which is exactly. your platform. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's it's the business side. And it's, I know, because I, you know, I wish I didn't have to do that all. I wish I could just sit in my, you know, my little room and write all day. But this is part of the modern writer's job is that you have to... Or if, if you don't want to do it, you have to be able to hire someone or, or be lucky enough to have a spouse who does it for you. Right. You have to get, you have to put yourself out there because if people don't know about you and aren't hearing your voice and aren't, you know, hearing your name, then how are they going to find out about you? How are they going to pick up your book? How are they going to even know that it exists? Yep. And you know what? I just made another correlation that maybe other writers have already made. Mm -hmm. It's like you're going through the submission process all over again. Oh, so yeah. first you had to submit to publishers and get all the rejection <laughs> notes. Now you wrote the book and it's published. And now you have to submit yourself to publicity outlets who can now write you some, uh, rejection notes. Exactly. I know. You have, you're always selling yourself, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be that you're selling your soul. It's that you're selling like, your story. You're selling your soul, but in a good way. Do you know yes. what I mean? You're sharing who you are with the yep. world. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make a living from what you love doing. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of people that um, are saying that, you know, your book becomes your calling card. Exactly. And, you know, so, like, let's say you decide that you want to, you're shy, but maybe you'll get over it. And what you'd <laughs> like to do is you would like to start speaking to women's groups. About That's exactly what I'm doing. That's body exactly. image and that type of thing. And you can hand these people the book. You know, you can give the organizer of the event a book and say, here, do you want me to speak? And, you know, can I have a stack of books available for people to purchase after I'm done speaking? And, you know, or just, you know, allow me to speak and, and hand out cards and then they can go buy the book later or whatever. Exactly. And that's how you use your book about your life mm -hmm. to help other people 
make their life better. And I think that uh, many of the authors I've been talking to, that's what they're saying is that, you know, you are writing a story that will leave some kind of impression Mm -hmm. on your reader when you're done. You know, whether it's a fiction, a nonfiction, a memoir, you know, biography, autobiography, whatever it is, if someone writes your book and they don't leave with something, then you failed as an author. And That's, you, yeah. what you're pulling together is something that is very empowering. Yes. You know, because you've what gone, I hope. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, what you've gone through is exactly what every mother, uh, you know, every mother and father's nightmare. Yeah. You know, my daughter's out there doing this. Is she okay? Am I going to, you know, am I going to see her again? What, you know, is she going to get hurt on the job? You know, uh, what what's going to happen? And, you know, and then when you pulled it, you know, when you pulled it together and you figured out that you wanted a different lifestyle, you know, you are able to express to people that this is why I did it. And then with the body image stuff, it's not only did you have the, you know, the whole experience as a stripper, like you said, you have a mother with breast cancer and all of a sudden, you know, your body image all of a sudden becomes unimportant, Mm -hmm. you know, because there are things you have to do with breast cancer that are going to make you not look like you did before you got it. Exactly. You know, whether it's the mastectomy or the lumpectomy or the hair loss or whatever, you know, all of a sudden, the body doesn't have to be so pretty anymore. The body needs to be functioning. Exactly. Yeah, you really, you know, it's all about realizing what was the most important. And um, and that's, you know, that's what's wonderful about writing. And I think it goes with fiction also, not just memoir, is that you can travel through time. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's your one moment in this body and in this life. But you can just close your eyes and, and two seconds be back as a child and leading into those what led me into those into the the path that I did lead I can be back when I'm a new mother it's just it all weaves together and and Mm -hmm. writing is just so amazing it's I mean to me and I think for a lot of writers that even if maybe writers who aren't even aware of it it really is therapeutic just to uh, revisit and revisit these these different emotions and experiences and even if you don't write a memoir, you use the sum total of your emotions and experiences when you're writing your fiction. It's exactly. a part of you, so it becomes a part of your book. You exactly. know, something that happened to you that you would never tell anybody in real life or put as part of a memoir, you or that you might not have even remembered, mm-hmm. your subconscious can put out to you as part of a fiction book. Exactly. Well... This has been a great interview, Sheila. Thank you so much. And I really do want to do a follow-up. I would love to do something about, you know, yoga and writing and uh, maybe have you do some kind of a a packet or a a video that, you know, that we can, like, follow along with because I'd love to to do soft yoga. (laughs) Oh, excellent. I like that soft yoga. Awesome. I don't. I don't want to do the hard yoga because you yeah, know, I've, got, that. I've got aches and pains. I need to do the <laughs> soft yoga that helps me just be a better, feeling better about myself and doing the stretching and the you know the the centering and and all that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, now, since a lot of our folks are going to be, a lot of our listeners are going to be listening to this on um, possibly on iTunes and on a podcatcher. Why don't you give them the um, 
your your uh, website address and sure. uh, probably your Facebook address. Sure. The easiest way to find me, you can go to strippingdown.com, and that's my blog, and that also then links to my author website, which is sheilahageman.com. Um, they can purchase my book, Stripping Down, at Amazon. Um, I can find me on Facebook, Sheila Hageman, and Twitter, I'm Sheila M. Hageman. Okay. And is that everything? Yeah, and everything will be in the show notes, but just for those of you that are listening that don't want to, you know, have to go try and find the show notes first, that's so you can go find Sheila. How in the world did you get the URL stripping down? I got really lucky. <laughs> I was going to say, you either got really lucky or you paid a lot. <laughs> no, and I mean, I did pay a little, but it wasn't a lot. We got nice. very lucky. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it was meant to be. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, for all of our listeners, like I said, if you're listening on iTunes, we want to thank you um, for listening. And we would love it if you would go to bookgoodies.com um, and do a search for Sheila and her podcast will pop up and you can leave some comments or um, you can go to the top of our website and you can click on Be Our Guest and offer to be a guest on um, either for a general author interview like this one was or to talk about a specific um, writing topic. And we would also love if you would let us know your books. There's a, a button at the top of the page that says tell us about your book and also tell us if you're a book blogger so that you can share um, your blog with all of the folks that come to our Book Goodies site. And uh, let's see, on my social media, you can find me at twitter.com slash loxley, L-O-X-L-Y. You can find book goodies at twitter.com slash book goodies and facebook.com slash book goodies. And you can go to my personal website, which is debracarney.com. And then last but not least, we like to thank geekcast.fm for hosting all of our podcasts, including a new one about work-at-home moms and work-at-home dads where we're doing interviews with uh, those brave souls that work from home and and take care of their kids at the same time. And um, thank you again for listening. Thanks again, Sheila. And everybody, get writing and have a great night. Bye-bye.